0: Well, praise the Lord, it is 2023. How many of y'all ever wondered if you would ever see 2023? Well, it's here. I heard people talking this morning saying it seems like we were just here this time last year. And it's already rolled around this quick. So how many of y'all are planning to do a lot of eating today? Anybody? No, of course not, because you've already made the New Year's resolution that you're going to do better in 2023. So We're going to start off the first day doing better. Isn't that what we do? We make all these resolutions at the beginning of the year. And how many of us, after about 48 hours into the New Year, those resolutions are gone anyway? We find ourselves to be nothing more than creatures of habit Amen. Well, I tell you what. uh, As I thought about 2023, I said, you know, I said, uh, I've become a year younger in 2023. Who said what? Johnny. (laughs) Johnny. We better go to Genesis chapter 1, okay? Before I say something, maybe I ought not to say. But I want to say to you, Happy New Year. 2023 is here. We look forward to what God has for us in 2023. One of the things that I'm going to do on Sunday mornings is we're going to do a series of messages out of the book of Genesis. Some have already asked me, "Well, Brother Robert, how long do you think it's going to take you to get through? Well, it depends if the message today sets the pace for it at all, we're going to be at it for a while. Because this morning, we're only going to get through the first four words. So here's what I want to do. Genesis, of course, the name Genesis meaning beginnings. Okay? We know that. And so... As we consider the book of Genesis chapter 1 through chapter number 11 is probably one of the most criticized and heavily debated passages of scripture that there are today. Let me tell you the reason for that is because if they can be debated as to their untruth or them simply being myth, then you might as well take the rest of the Bible and just chunk it because You won't have anything. Matter of fact, all of the rest of the Word of God theology as we know it is founded upon those first 11 chapters. And so is there any wonder that the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis is under such debate and scrutiny today? Matter of fact, there have been some who have changed their views of the book of Genesis and began to tout it as being mythology, or mythical, or myth, and nothing more than that. And so we're going to look at some of that uh, in detail and kind of speak to some of those. You know, people today often have opinions rather than reason. Everybody has their opinions, but one of the things that we neglect to do sometimes is to use reason only thing I'm going to ask you to do today, I'm not here to debate with you. I'm not here to enter into or try to prove the existence of God. That's not what I'm here to do. Matter of fact, Psalm 14 in verse number 1 provides an interesting insight into the very first four words of the scripture. Matter of fact, Genesis chapter 1 in verse number 1, the scripture says, In the beginning, God. But you don't have to go very far. Go to the book of Psalm and look at Psalm chapter 14 and verse number 1, and here's what you will find. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So here's what we often do. We don't look at the evidence. Basically, we develop our own opinions to the existence of God absolutely negating any thought or reason when it comes to the evidence that is given for his existence. It would be ludicrous for me to stand here this morning. And try to basically prove the existence of God. And let me tell you why. His, his, his existence does not need to be proven. Matter of fact we find from Romans chapter number 1. That even creation itself speaks to his existence. Psalm chapter 19 In verse number one, the heavens declare the very glory of God. And I know some of you are probably sitting there and say, okay. But everything that you've used so far has been biblical in nature. Because basically you're taking the words out of scripture. Well, let me tell you what. Let's just take the scripture and and push it over here to the side. And let me just ask you to look around you. Look at the evidence that is there for the existence of God. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 is not not a a philosophical statement. And I don't know why we get so hung up that Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 is some philosophical statement. It is not. And let me tell you what Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 is. It is presented as a statement of truth. In the beginning, God. It's a statement of truth and who he is and his existence. And here's another interesting thing about Genesis chapter number 1 and verse number 1. It gives us basically the outline for the entire first chapter. And let me give you that outline based off of Genesis chapter 1 itself. So that as we go through Genesis chapter number 1, you'll be able to see this. Here's the first division. It's the declaration of the Creator. It's the declaration of the creator that we see in verse number one. Number two is the directing of creation. The directing of creation. Not done by some intelligent designer, okay? But spoken into existence by God himself through his spoken word. And so we see the directing of creation. And then number three is the determined result of creation. And it's the determined result of creation. And so it's interesting that verse number one gives us the outline for all of chapter one within itself. Let me tell you what that does. It speaks entirely To the authoritative and divine nature of the scripture that we hold in our hands. At least 25 New Testament passages refer directly to the early chapters of Genesis. 25 of them. And so therefore, I would offer to you this morning, if the Genesis account, Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11, is absolute myth, then why in the world would we find 25 New Testament passages that refer directly to the early chapters of Genesis, and on top of all of that, Jesus himself referred to it. You say, from what perspective? Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 11 and verse 51. Luke chapter 11 and verse 51. Jesus is speaking himself. Considering the time of Genesis, in the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, in the time that he has this conversation, in the thousands of years that have gone by, that Jesus himself is going to make reference back to a former passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 49, as Jesus is speaking, I want you to notice what he says. He said, for this reason also the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill and some they will persecute. So that the blood of all of the prophets, shed since the foundation of the world, may be charged against this generation. And notice what he says, verse 51. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah, who was killed between the altar and the house of God. Yes, I tell you, it shall be charged against this generation. Jesus is making a direct reference to the blood of Abel himself. Which is contained within Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter number 11. And then also concerning the historical accuracy of the flood. If you'll flip back to Matthew chapter 24. Jesus speaking to the very accuracy of the flood. And here's another interesting thing. Did you know that the major world religions out there all contain a, ca- a catastrophic flood event? Which is an interesting thought. Did they all contain this catastrophic flood event that we have contained for us in the Word of God? In its detail, matter of fact, not only contained for us in an account of the flood, but also Jesus himself speaks to its historical accuracy. Matthew chapter 24 Verse 37 through verse 39, notice what it says. Referring to the return of Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ returns, I want you to notice what Jesus said. He said, For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, Let me tell you what. If you go read Genesis chapter 6 and 7, you will find this account as Jesus recounts it given to us in Genesis chapter 6 and Genesis chapter number 7 as to the events when Noah entered into the ark. Him and his family, eight people entered into the ark. And so once the door was closed, verse 39, and they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus himself speaks to the accuracy of Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter number 11. So, the question basically boils down to this this morning. If Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11 is myth, then what do you do with the first four words of Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1, and let's go back to there, right? So what do you do with these first four words? words. That is the question that is at the crux of this. And so basically, let me go to the first part of the outline of Genesis chapter number one, and it is the declaration of the Creator. Is it any different that we have the declaration of the Creator here in Genesis chapter number one The same as the declaration that was made by God himself to Abraham when he led him out of the Ur of the Chaldees. Matter of fact, the very same revelation that God made to Moses prior to him leading the children of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt. When Moses asked this simple question. So who do I tell these people that sent me? Who who do I tell these people it is that sent me to deliver you out? And basically, here's what God told him. He said, you tell them the I am sent you. The declaration and the uh, the revelation of who God is. Well, let me share something with you this morning. What you have in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 is an absolute declaration, revelation of God himself. So in the beginning, God. What's also interesting is when you take Genesis chapter 1, the first four words, and we'll call this Genesis chapter 1 and 1a, okay? It's where we will be. This statement of truth is not given in an argumentative way. And I'm not here to argue with anybody as to the existence or the non-existence of God because I don't have to. And never has God had to prove, in his, or he's never had to prove his existence of who he is. God has always been. And his existence is affirmed. It's an affirmed fact to be believed as to who he is. You see, the God of Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 is eternal and had no beginning. Now, I know for many of us, that's it's just hard for us To wrap our hands around. Let me tell you why. God's not bound by space nor time. We are. We have a finite mind. We have a finite being. Everything that we do is predicated upon a 24-hour a day, day seven-day-a-week, 365-day-year. Everything is predicated around a clock. Why? I will tell you why. Because we're bound by space and time. God is not. One of the things that we have a difficult with, a difficulty with is determining or understanding what it means to have no beginning. And are you ready for this? It not to have an end either. How can that be? How in the world could that possibly be? I'm not here to debate for you the existence or the non-existence of that. I'm here to tell you that based on the fact that is given to us and the truth given to us in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1a. In the beginning, God. What more do you say? What more do you go from there? What's interesting in Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 is in the beginning, God. God. Not capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, but in the beginning, God, Elohim, is the Hebrew word there for God, Elohim. And it's interesting that Genesis chapter 1 is all, and every reference to God is Elohim, the creator God, the powerful one, the one who spoke through his spoken word into existence, All of creation. Elohim. That's who he is. Versus. Yahweh or Jehovah God. Which when we generally think of capital L. Capital O. Capital R. Capital D. We tend to think of that as the proper name of God. More in relationship to the covenant relationship. That God has with his people. So is it any wonder. As we look at Genesis chapter number one to understand its inspired writing, that we see the very one who spoke into existence all of creation, Elohim. Let me say this this morning the use of Elohim here is due to the theological emphasis of the account. Creation praises God's transcendence and the power of his spoken word, thus the use of Elohim. And as I said earlier, Yahweh is generally attributed to the covenant agreement of his relationship between God and his people. So it is no wonder that we see God here Is Elohim in Genesis chapter number one? You see, he's perfect and cannot improve, immutable and cannot change. We see that from the scripture. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21. And one of the things that I want you to notice, God has no beginning. And he has no end. He is too everlasting. Genesis chapter 21 and verse 33, notice what it says. And Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and he called there on the name of the Lord. Notice capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Yahweh, Jehovah God, the covenant relationship that existed between God and Abraham. But notice the last part of verse 33. And there he called on the name of the Lord. And notice what it says. The everlasting what? Elohim. The everlasting Elohim. And if that's not enough, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 13. I still hear a few pages rustling, which is a good thing. Unless it continues. I need to make sure you get there, okay? Okay. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. Notice what it says. For when God made the promise to Abraham, since he could swear by no one greater, he swore by what? Himself. Saying, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply you. And so, having patiently waited, he obtained the promise. For men swear by one greater than themselves, And with him an oath given as confirmation is an end of every dispute. In the same way, God, desiring even more to show to the heirs of the promise the unchangeableness of his purpose interposed with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have taken refuge would have strong encouragement To take hold of the hope set before us. And this hope. This hope. We have as an anchor of the soul. A hope both sure and steadfast. And one which enters within the veil. Where Jesus has entered as a forerunner. For us having become a high priest forever. According to the order of Melchizedek. The unchangeableness. Of God himself. And then Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. He's perfect. He cannot improve. Immutable and he cannot change. Aren't you thankful today that he doesn't change? Aren't you thankful we don't have to get up tomorrow or get up this morning and wonder what maybe have changed? God doesn't change. You ready for this? His word does not change. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed, nor will he change. His word has not changed, nor will his word change. Romans chapter 16, notice verse 26. Let's start in verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the uh, revelation of the mystery which has been kept secret for long ages past, but now is manifested, And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the eternal God, has been made known to all the nations, leading to obedience of faith to the only wise God. Through Jesus Christ be the glory forever. Amen. You notice the use of the phrase eternal God. Has no beginning, has no end. He is eternal in his being. Of who he is. That's who he is. Turn with me to Psalm chapter ninety. Psalm chapter ninety. God is totally self sufficient. And please and please and please listen to this. God is totally self sufficient. And he needs nothing more than himself to exist or to act. Don't ever think for a moment that God could not exist or would not exist if it were not for us. God needs nothing else to exist. God doesn't need the physical. He doesn't need creation. He doesn't need us to exist Psalm chapter 90 and verse number 2. I want you to notice as these words are shared with us. A prayer of Moses. And notice verse number 1. Lord, you have been my, our dwelling place in all generations. And notice what he says in verse number 2. Before the mountains were born... Or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. Notice what it says: "You are God. That's who he is? From the prayer of Moses, understanding who He is, my question to you today is, do you understand who He is? Do we feel it? Do we do we fully appreciate who he is? These first four words of Genesis chapter one and verse one are the foundational truth for all of real theology. It is. Stands at the bedrock of it. Because if it's not true, if it is nothing more than mere myth. Then, my dear friend, I have a question for you. What are we doing here? Because I have a simple question for you. If the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis are all myth, then who determines what the rest of it is? That all goes back to people today often have opinions rather than reason. Look at the evidence. Intellectualism needs to be brought back into the pews of our churches to understand and realize from what the word of god says in the way that things should be well i want to give you 3 things because i know here comes the question all right so what i'm glad you asked because i want to give you the so what number 1 as believers today as believers you can have the absolute confidence to know that your work and labor in the Lord is not in vain. In the beginning, God. The declaration of the creator himself. And so therefore, as we consider that, we can have the absolute confidence knowing that all of the labor and all of the effort and all of our work is not in vain in the Lord. You say, well, how do we know that? Well, you've got to use your Bibles again. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Many of you will know this by heart. It's often used at the, during funeral services, okay? Uh, often spoken of out at the graveside. First Corinthians chapter 15 deals with the mystery of the resurrection. And so when you consider 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 58, I want to give you something going into 2023 that will help you. you can have the absolute confidence knowing that all of your work and labor in the Lord is not in vain. And neither is God going to forget it. We're told that by the writer of the book of Hebrews, that it will not be forgotten. Verse 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, speaking to believers... Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, always at it, always abounding in it, always serving, always working in what God has given to us through Jesus Christ, his son. And you can know with absolute confidence that it is not in vain. Because notice what he says at the end of verse 58. Knowing that your toil or labor is not in vain In who? In the Lord. It's not. It's not in vain. You know, I get asked this all the time. Brother Robert, it just seems like we're making no headway today. It absolutely seems like the more we do, the less we see what we think should be the result of it. My dear friend, listen to me. God didn't call us. Please listen to me. God did not call us to produce results. God called us to carry a message. God called us to be the salt and the light. God called us to be what is desperately needed in a dark and evil world today. And that's to share the gospel. Well, my dear friend, he didn't call us to produce the fruit. Here's what he called us to do, to be obedient, to do what he's asked us to do. And at the end of the day, realizing and understanding that the results that come as our effort is put forth, those results come from God himself. It is God who gives the increase. Not us, but God. Number two, you could also have absolute confidence in his faithfulness. I would imagine that everybody in this building this morning, as you look back over 2022, you have, you have only but one thing to say, and that God was faithful through it all. Huh? Wasn't he? He was. In the beginning, God, and my dear friend, listen to me, he's not forgotten about where we are in 2023. He knows where we are. It is under his sovereign hand that things are where they are. It's under his control that everything existed as as it exists, that it consists, that it continues just the way God determined for it to. how can you not have confidence in his faithfulness and who he is matter of fact if you look over at Psalm 119 in verse 90 Psalm 119 in verse 90 for weeks I have been studying through Genesis and reading as many as I can behind it is written on the on the book of Genesis and I will tell you the more I have read the more I've studied the more time I've spent digging in the scripture let me say this about my confidence going into 2023 okay it's just it, it, it's increased significantly as I understand what we've been called to do and therefore should become our priority and our aim in 2023 and leave the results to the person that it belongs to, and that's to God himself. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 90. I want you to notice as the psalmist wrote, he said, Your faithfulness continues throughout out." All generations. Was it not David who said, I have never seen the righteous begging bread. I've never seen them forsaken. My dear friend, listen to me. God is not going to forsake us. He's still on the throne. In the beginning, God. How do you get past those four words? How do you move past those four words to the fifth word, created? Created. My dear friend, listen to me. We could park on those first four words for a while as we consider the magnitude of who God is and the glory of who he is. The work of his hands, the handiwork and all that we see around us. I don't know about you, my dear friend, but we can count on his faithfulness. Notice what else the psalmist says. You establish, Notice what he said. The psalmist said this. You establish the earth, and notice what he says, and it stands. Still does today, doesn't it? Huh? How many, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all have ever gotten up on a morning and the sun didn't rise? Hold on. Don't. don't okay. You may not be able to see the sun. In South Louisiana, but it did did come up. How many of us ever recall a time when the sun didn't go down in the evening? Huh? Why do you think? Why do you think that it continues to do so? Verse 91 He said, they stand this day according to your ordinances. To whose? His. Listen to me. All of creation answers to him. Let me tell you why. He's the one who created it. He's the one who spoke it into existence. And so, my dear friend, if he is the creator, who are we? We're going to see that a little bit further. The end of verse 91. Psalm 119. They stand this day according to your ordinances for all things are your servants. you I don't know about you. But are you ready for this? Let me just share this with you. This is something that really hit home with me. Just this week, I have the privilege, I have the privilege to be able to serve. Why? Because he loved me, and I can love him today. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty who was and is and forever shall be. Number three. This is something you need to carefully consider this morning. And just as God has always been he will always be. Just as he's always been He will always be. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. As we move to the end, we find ourselves coming to the eternal state. One of the things I want you to notice is Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse number 1. Just as God has always been, he will always be. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven. You know, I let me tell you something. I've tried for years to put myself in the place of John exiled on the Isle of Patmos. When he was allowed to see what he saw. You know, I this is what John sees. And notice as it's recorded, and I saw a, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. and He will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Verse 5. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, and here comes, this is the crux. Genesis chapter 1 and verse number 1 says, In the beginning, God. The close of verse number 5, I want you to notice what it says. Write for these words are faithful and true. That's who he is. I can only imagine, I can only imagine what it must be like around the throne of God day and night without ceasing praise is offered up to Him my dear friend have you ever considered this in 2023 were there not a single a single word of praise comes from your mouth God will not go without praise but we 2023, today, it's not changed. We have the privilege to praise him. That's who we are. Created in his image. God breathed into the nostrils of man and he became a living soul. With this longing, with this desire inside of our hearts. That there's got to be something more to life. There must be something deeper. I will tell you what it is. In the beginning, God. That's where it began. And are you ready for this? It is also going to end with him. The question today is, do you know him?